Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing Podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance. Today, we're joined by our podcast host, Eve Chen, who's going to be discussing how to develop a winning company culture to drive optimal revenue performance with the CEO of Blendification, Dan Bruder. Welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I'm your host, Eve Chen. This is another episode of Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. In our last episode, we talk about sales and marketing alignment. Today, I want to further dive into this subject and perhaps even widen it up and talk about culture, um, what culture is and what corporate culture is and how you build or devise teams together and strengthen the alignment across functional teams in organization. Corporate culture, um, we all know that is made out of all people within the organization. Um, leaders typically, they set and model the expectation impacting all levels of organization, from leaders and manager, and then to the frontline employees, of course. Um, well, each team can have a, dif- a different culture. The teams um, still falls under overarching corporate culture. And somehow, despite this reality, only 12% of the executives believe their companies are driving the right culture. Um, another study done by Deloitte and talk about the corporate cultures, and um, it indicates that the corporate culture drives innovation, employee development, and retention, ultimately driving the organization towards its goals. Um, 94% of the executives and 88% of the employees believe that a distinct workplace culture is vital for the business success. Um, Employees' overall rating of the company's qualities, such as collaboration, work environment, and mission and value alignment, alignment, all of these are really important to drive the business success. When they do that right, and they have like a more than more than likely 20 more 20 percent higher chance to become successful. These qualities that help winning cultures keep employees aligned as well as motivated. So um, today that you know I want to really di- dive into you know why that you know still 12 percent only 12 percent of executives believe that their companies have the right culture and why that you know according to last episode we talk about that the sales and marketing alignment is not actually improving but actually deteriorating especially during the pandemic um time so um I'll, because of that um today i um, we're very honored to bring in an expert in the on this particular subject um, I'd like to introduce Dem Bruder. Dem is a co-founder and a CEO of Blendification. Um, he created the Blendification to harmonize work and life. Then originally developed the Blendification by delivering the strategy viable and the personal viable programs through conventional consulting and teaching in MBA and executive MBA programs. And he has authored a book, The Blendification System. Dan has also presented this concept, um, a TechX Talk, which is um, another very popular show under the Tech Talk um, brand. Other than blendification, Dan is also an uh, MBA faculty member at the Colorado University in Boulder and has taught at the Colorado State University in the executive MBA program. Before that, Dan has spent decades in various leadership and executive roles 
in large and small organizations. His first career was in banking, and he later worked in the hospitality and the resort industry. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dan onto the show. Thanks, Eve. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on the show. So、um, earlier, I just made a little bit introductions and、uh, talking about the,、um, really leading from the last episode, which we talk about sales and marketing alignment. I think culture is such an important element that really, you know,、uh, either it divides or it brings the teams together, and therefore, you know, help out with building synergy and that alignment across the revenue generation value chain. Um, so I, I want to start out with some basic questions. Going back to you know really the basic.、Um, in your view,、um, what really is corporate culture, and how does that specifically impact the organization's revenue performance? In your view and your ex- experience. Well, it's a, a good question on what is culture because、um, if you ask most CEOs, they'll say culture is the most important component of their business success. Um, to define culture, if you define culture, it really is、um, the, the, the basic definition is、um, a set of behaviors,、uh, a set of、uh, traditions, rituals, and we expand that to include habits and things like that. So, if we really look at culture, you know, from a definition perspective, it's really how we behave, what we do every day,、um, how we treat each other. So, the assumption is is that if we behave in a way. <laughs> That is consistent with the outcomes that the company wants to create, meaning that our our outcomes, our goals,、um, and our behaviors are aligned. Our behaviors, our rituals, and our habits. If they're all aligned, then we'll have a fulfilled group of people. And when we have a fulfilled group of people, then we tend to have a positive culture. So culture exists anywhere because we all have behaviors, we all have habits. Organizations have collective behaviors and habits. So culture exists no matter what. The question is: is it is it a culture that is consistent with the outcomes or the reason that the organization exists? So that just simply means that does a company or has a company or has a CEO identified what its true cause is? And if the company hasn't identified a cause, then it has a organic culture. And many CEOs I talk to say, "Yeah, well, we just have an organic culture." And that, to me, is just an excuse for not planning your culture. So, so I have to ask, you know, what is the most important thing? Because the truth is, is that most CEOs will do the corporate speak, and they've got corporate speak completely dialed in. And, and we know this. And the corporate speak is culture is the is so important, and our people are so important. But then we say, so what are you doing in order to intentionally design and implement a culture that is consistent with the outcomes that you want to create with this organization, so that you attract. Retain and develop the people that will drive the organization forward and enhance both revenue opportunities, but also life opportunities for the employees. So, and most of them don't have an answer to that question, right? And that's the real challenge: is, is we we can define culture, but very few people or very few organizations actually design a culture that is consistent with where they want to go as an organization. And then it's hard to attract and retain. People at all levels, not just sales and marketing people, but product people, operational support people, and、um, all other areas of the organization. 
That, that's a very interesting. That's almost like、um, we often talk about nature or nurture, right? So nature is really that, like you said, that、uh, a lot of leaders they were saying that、um, we just have an organic culture, and nurture, you know, is something that we're proactively, you know,、um, designer and then you know,、uh, basically putting to practice to facilitate. Something right,、mm -hmm. and、um, so it comes. You know, it brings out a really good question. Interesting question is,、uh, um, how is actually culture really formed? Yeah, and、um, it's 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 going to be formed no matter what. Question is, are we as leaders going to form that culture,、right. or are we just going to let it happen? And so, so、um, how do we design a culture and implement a culture that is consistent? With the organizational outcomes, and、uh, we actually define it a little bit differently. So I, I, I grew up in the corporate world in the '90s, 2000s, and、um, and at the time there was a lot of focus on you know vision and mission, and and there still is, and I think that's a, a good term. And and then you know if people got really creative, they developed core values.、Um, <laughs> so and they said, okay, if we post this on our website. And we post it on a wall. You know, we'll dedicate this wall to our vision, mission, and values. Then we will have a good culture. And you know, what we find is that people walk by that they don't see that. And and what is posted in the halls,、um, excuse me, what is posted in the walls is not happening in the halls. And and that's、right. what I find what happens. So how do we define? Going to your question, how do we actually do this? So it's really about one defining the culture, and then two. Implementing that culture and having that resonate and attract people. So, first thing is, how do you design it? So, we don't use vision, mission, and values. What we say is, what is the company's cause? Because people will work for a cause.、Um, vision to me is like this this dream that a CEO has that kind of、um, says this is what the company is. But a cause is we're actually out there. We're going to go do something meaningful. So, the dollars we create, the revenue we create. Is going to make an impact on some on our employees, our customers, and our community. So, what is our cause? So, we define what a cause is, and that's what I would say for organizations: define your organizational cause. Now, that gives you that that onward direction, and then from that, what is our intention for our stakeholders? Right, because this business that we form is going to be impacting people. In community, so what is our intention? And I just say real simply, what is our intention for our employees? What is our intention for our customers? And what is our intention for our community? So it's really three statements of intention that really feed into that statement of cause. And now we're starting to use this because the statement of intention really creates a sense of accountability on the organization, right? It's like, hey, this when you come work here, Mr. and Mrs. Employee. When you come work here, here's what our intention is for you, or here's our statement of intention for our employees. We also need to loop in, like I said, to our customers because as we work with customers, we're solving a need, and that need is one a specific need for that customer, but it's generally a societal need. So, what is our intention for solving the needs or helping out our customers, and then knowing that our employees, our products. All impact our communities. So, what's our intention for our communities? So, this is a statement of intention, and this all goes in line with how do we define our culture. So,、right. once we've defined our cause and intention, then it's saying, okay, now what behaviors do we want to see exist within the organization? Remember, you asked me the first question was, you know, what is culture? And culture is really the set of behaviors, habits, rituals, 
um, those types of things. So why don't we define the behaviors and habits we want to see in the organization? So that's what I recommend organizations do. Identify a statement of cause, statement of intention, and then real clearly define the organization's specific behaviors and then the habits, those things we can see happening within the organization. Like we see that happening. And, um, and when we do that, we've actually defined the desired culture at the habitual and behavioral level within an organization. And then it connects back to our intention for our employees, customers, and community, which then ties to the overall organizational cause. And that's how we actually define it. And then there's a whole process of implementing that culture and um, putting it into the hands so people actually use this, see this, and benefit from it. Right. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that's really, really insightful. And funny enough, like I'm actually in the middle of uh, um, getting a new uh, um, startup landed into USA. And uh, we're in the middle of also doing our vision, mission and values. And um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought about like, you know, intention statements and costs. You know, that's that's absolutely you're right. You know, like uh, um, with my book that that published, I actually do have a cost. You know, like uh, with Ascending Growth, which is the book I just published, our cost is to elevate 1 million marketers. So that mm-hmm. is the, the cost we're trying to, the, uh, I, I don't know, I, I want to make it a little bit more um, tangible and more practical for our listeners. Um, could, would you be able to give us a, a tangible example Let's, you know, say that vision statement, we write it down on paper, right? Normally you will have, you know, some sort of a, a long-term, you know, goal to, you know, uh, aspire yourself, aspire your team to what towards to. Can you give us an example, um, the subtle difference, you know, in, in let's say we have to write it down, the intention statement and the vision statement. What would be the difference there? Um, just make it really tangible for our listeners. Yeah, at the top of this is... Um the statement of cause and, uh, you know, our statement of cause for our organization is to empower um, organizations to positively impact the lives of their employees through work. And that really is the essence of blendification. So we really want people to blend work and life. Um, I saw something this morning and it said um, enjoyment or employment. And it's a nice catchy phrase. But our cause is around saying, how about enjoyment through employment? And um, so, so that's, that's our cause. So then the next thing is, is what is our intention for our, our employees? So our employees, our intention is, is that we spark their greatness. So uh, we want to spark employees' greatness within our organization. And then we want to ha- enable them to positively impact one through our product, but also through the relationship with our customers to positively impact their lives, who again, through their relationship with them and the product. And then finally, when we put our customers, our product and our employees together, they need to then have a positive impact on communities. And we believe that positive impact on the communities is when employees look at their work as an opportunity to pursue their human potential, as opposed to a place that they park eight to 10 hours a day and don't really get motivated. We want work to be this opportunity to do that. So that's really at the top of this, it's really about blending work and life. And then we actually go down into how do, what does that mean to our employees, our customers and our communities using our product and our ability to spark each other's greatness. 
So that's the difference. So really at the top of that is the cause. And then we take it down to a level of a little bit lower level of granularity with the um, employees, customers, and communities. And then from that, we then look at various different behaviors and habits. So if that makes sense. Wow, no, that, that's great. And, and there is a lot of a parallel that interesting enough, like uh, in my book, uh, we first introduced this concept called growth experience. Um, so with a growth experience, what we are saying is sustainable success only can come at the intersection of company success, so it's business success, your customer success, as well as your employee, your people success. Mm, so yeah. it's really the, it has to actually, all these three elements are critical. Um, they have to actually come together to be able to, for an uh, organization to achieve that longer term success. A lot of, you know, like an organization can still, you know, um, make a splash on a short-term basis. You'd be focused on a number or tactics. and But, you know, what, what we are talking about is really that long-term growth. You know, how can you, you know, uh, become that uh, 100-year brand that the people aspire to become, basically? No, that's pretty powerful stuff. Um, so in your experience, Dan, that... Uh, um, whether it's your consulting or your past like experience, you know, through your enterprise life. Um, can you give us a you know, specific example that, you know, a company has done phenomenally well, you know, through changing their culture, driving the right behaviors, and then therefore success on, you know, outstanding results? Yeah, um, interesting. There's, there's several companies, so it's kind of hard to uh, pick one, but uh, there, is, there is one company that kind of stands out and, and um, I was talking to the CFO one day and I said, um, how is your culture? And he said, oh, it's great. And then he paused and he caught himself and he said, well, I think it's great. So he says, I actually don't know. And he was being very honest, which is somewhat unusual because everybody says their culture is great, right? I mean, if you talk to most companies, the CEOs, our culture is great, blah, 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 right? And he's like, well, I really don't know. So he went back on his own and talked to the CEO. He was a CFO. He talked to the CEO of the company and he said, um, Hey, um, what do you think our culture is? And the CEO said, oh, it's awesome. And he said, so tell me what that means. So what is our culture? And he goes, well, I actually don't know, but I know it's good. And he said, and, and the CFO <laughs> said, well, I had the same reaction. He goes, I thought it was good, but I couldn't tell you what it was. So then they talked to the head of sales and marketing and they asked him the same question. So how is, um, what do you think of our culture? Oh, it's good. Then what is it? And they couldn't define it. They couldn't say why it's good. And then right. they all looked at each other and said, how can it be good if we don't, if we can't define what good is? So then they said, okay, um, they had a, a bit of a, an awakening. And um, so then they came back and we chatted about it and, and we said, well, here's the process. So if we want to be good at anything, it's probably best that we're intentional about it. So think about it from a sales or a marketing perspective. We wouldn't go into a company and say, you know what? Let's just have our organic, our sales and marketing be organic, right? We're not going to track anything. We're not going to train anything. We're not going to set any goals. We're not going to say where we want to go or what we want to do. People would look at you like you're actually crazy if you said, you know what? We don't track our salespeople results. In fact, we don't even really talk to our salespeople about sales. Um, meaning yeah. that my, my point is, is that we say that culture is super important. But we don't put any energy into it other than just corporate speak. 
So this company, by the way, is what they did is we went through a whole process of literally defining with their executive team, defining their cause, their statement of cause, their right. statement of intention for their employees, customers, and community, and then the specific behaviors and habits. So that was the definitional side. And that's cool because we can now take that and post that on a wall, but it doesn't mean anything, right? We actually have to now implement it. So then was then the next stage was assigning groups of people inside the organization to take the baton and implement the culture. I mean, just like we would implement a marketing plan, we're right. going to implement culture in the organization. So they had clear objectives and those objectives were to make it visible. So they wanted to make the culture visible throughout the organization. They needed to make it part of the rituals. So now they actually started talking about it daily. They took an element of culture and talked about it every single day. Right. Um, the CEO of this company, even to this day, calls leaves a message on everyone's voicemail of the behavior and the habit for each day of the year that people work. He does right. that. You know, they have a weekly behavior. So now what they're doing is they're creating rituals. They talk about it. Um, they, oh, wow. uh, they create carnivals they, and where they talk, where they bring culture into the organization, you know, um, different events. And uh, so that's, um, that's an example of a company. Uh, where I got this from was my time at the Ritz-Carlton. Okay. So I was I, I used to work with the Ritz Carlton organization through Marriott years ago, and I was amazed um, at how the Ritz Carlton was able to develop a culture. And most people think of Ritz Carlton as this, you know, ritzy, right? Ritzy, no one intended um, <laughs> yeah. hotel, and 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 how they treat. Very nice one. <laughs> I know it's it, it, it's nice, but the same way they treat the guests that walk through the door, that same. Um, kind of focus is also displayed in the lunchroom with everybody. So the level of respect between the employees is tremendous. Right. So they treat their guests, their customers a certain way. That same level of respect is also displayed for the employees. These yeah. employees now go back out to their houses, their homes. And, you know, some of these people haven't, you know, they didn't start out on third base in life, so to speak, you know. The, uh, so, so, but the organization spent so much time making sure that everybody was part of the culture. And then these people started learning and growing through work. And they took that home into their personal lives and they started treating their spouses, their children, their, um, their friends with the same level of respect and integrity that they, they were given at work. And so that's when, when culture isn't just at work, it starts boiling over into our home life and we start yeah. positively impacting relationships, not only at work, but at home. That's huge. So that's the example of the, the company that I mentioned earlier, a specific example of how they went in and changed it. But then also kind of the, the genesis of where I got all this from. It really is, is from the Ritz-Carlton organization and how they did it. Now, obviously, I changed, changed the names and, and um, a lot and advanced it to fit um, you know, uh, regular companies, but um, it uh, it does have a start, and I was I'm significantly influenced by the Ritz Carlton organization. Yeah, no, that's fascinating because uh, um, you're absolutely right. Because you know, if culture do change as well, I've been in many enterprise uh, um, organizations, and um, you know, we can go from really strong, winning focus, and you know, uh, very team team focus the kind of culture um you know by really changing the leaderships and sometimes you know um you can strip those uh, cultures away 
And um, if you know companies cannot articulate what good culture, what the right culture looks like, how can you maintain or repeat, continue to protect this you know intangible ingredients? Um, that somehow that you know we should really make it tangible because without being tangible, you can't really maintain it, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, one example that uh, I've been in an organizations and uh, we we very much you know uh, love uh, love working with each other. Not a word about you know uh, after work we had these subcultures. When I was uh, hired as the channel marketing, I was. Um, work really closely with the channel sales teams mm. and uh, we'll even go bowling karaoke and all those that kind of activity we actually want to hang out with each other um and that was the time that you know we were growing the channel business almost like you know double year on year that kind of growth rate which is you know this kind of like a, um adrenaline and um really um i don't know you just feel like you know being part of this winning uh, organization and things can change really drastically you know by putting a uh, different emphasis especially you know from a more of a top-down approach once we you know uh, there's two particular things that I remember uh, are really what's you know driving this kind of behavior one is that there is a very strong customer for life culture so it, it goes to translate down to our responsibility and uh, each members, you know, really from organization, then go down to team and down to individual. We have to define a set of behavior that we will we will actually commit to and help to drive these customer for life goals. Which you know, at the time, I have no idea that um, you know that it's really a culture element into it. But you know, the organization was really successful, you know, in helping. Uh, in bringing you know uh, teams from individual and then to team level and then down to the the overall organizational level to really you know um, glue us together with this single laser focus uh, goal, and the second is about winning. So um, we also have a make it happen awards and those kind of things. So really, um, um, really tribute to um, individual and teams that it display those behaviors that you know either you make it happen or you achieve the customer for life type of goal. So that was, you know, like a really prestigious, like a, awards that we think um, it, it's Lexma at the time that I was working for. And really that it was, you know, uh, cultivating, I guess this culture uh, at the time, I have no ideas about culture. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's so very true. So um, yeah, what do you think is some of the ingredients? Let's talk about this, you know, success factors required to form this kind of like um, culture, you mentioned about obviously to be able to define them and put that into intention statement and then break it down to behaviors. Is there any other like uh, important things that you see, you have seen that is critical in um, fostering the right culture? Yeah, if we look at the culture, I mean, it goes down to um, the minute levels of an organization. So if we were to look at this like a tree, you know, culture, um, the company's cause is really the, 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 where the, where things are going. That's where the organization's going. But then we need to start going down and start building at the branch level, but also going all the way down to the roots of that tree. So um, what we recommend highly is that we connect culture 
um, the stuff that we just talked about, and then identify a clear strategic platform that incorporates the organization's cause, intention, and behaviors um, and habits. So now we start connecting culture to strategy. So culture is one thing, and now the business strategy needs to align with the culture or the cause. So now we build a plan, a business plan or business strategy. We use what we call a strategy whiteboard to right. connect the culture and the strategy um, to each other. But then we have to go, okay, so that's the plan. Um, that's the business plan. And that is now connecting from a planning perspective to the strategy. But below that is a level of how do we implement or execute that plan? So ultimately what we need to combine or blend together is culture, strategy, and the organization's execution platform. And by doing that, what we see is we're opening up various different elements of participation to multiple different levels of the organization. So we actually do this intentionally because a lot of things that happened in organizations um, historically happened when people worked together and people don't work together anymore. So I think leaders today are really extremely challenged because it's not just about having a goal because people aren't connecting. And when people don't connect with other human beings, they get frustrated, anxiety increases, depression, and, and we know the chain that happens. We're seeing it unravel right in front of us. Right. So organizations need to look at how do we actually, from a business planning perspective, connect our human beings? So what we do is we say we create roots groups, basically groups within the organization that connect on the strategic direction of the organization that ties to the strategy. And these roots groups are responsible for implementing the strategy that comes out for the organization. So by doing this, we've now defined and implemented culture. We've developed a plan to achieve what we want from a cultural perspective, but also from a business perspective. And then we implement it through various different roots groups within the organization. Now, they own that. Those roots groups are your customer and market and customer market product operations and people. But from a customer and market perspective, the customers and the market need to be defined. And how are we advancing um, our product in solving their problems? Now what happens is the sales and marketing team starts seeing that what they're selling, the product, what they're selling into the customer, those customers is actually connecting back to the organization's cause because the organization's wow. cause is really to make an impact through selling a product or a service. So the connection between your sales and marketing organization and we have a sales or a customer and market roots group, they are basically connecting the customer and the product to the organization's cause and, and, and charging a fee for that revenue, right? So they're being compensated for that. And if they yeah. do a really good job, they're going to get compensated really well. Right. So this is where the customer and market or sales and marketing or the revenue producing organization is really connecting to that organizational cause. Yeah. And so there's this direct link. So that's really what we're doing. We're connecting culture, strategy and execution. But we need to be looking at all layers of the organization so that yeah. they are connecting to where the company's going so that they see their role in making a difference within this company. Yeah, no, that, that's so true, because uh, I can think of one example. So again, Lexma, one of our largest uh, um, enterprise customers, Qantas. And we saw the accounts payable, basically invoicing um, solution to Qantas. 
And uh, Qantas's um, accounts payable, the KPI is to keep a per invoice, you know, under $3.6 Australian dollars. And that become really the laser focus, the goal within Lexma. It's not about mm. selling more about devices. It's about how do we address our customer's challenge and challenging ourselves to solve the problem to, you know, to really bring that. Can we bring it down to $3? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. And then we look at the different solution and then actually tailor build solution for, for that customer. We, we, we call that a unifying objective. Unified. So how, do we, how do we create an objective that's company-wide that really unifies the organization? And when you say $3, it, it tells me, and I don't know, but it tells me that you have a focus to keep your costs for your customers down to a certain level that's very palatable. And then everybody, that really unifies everybody to say, hey, we're, we're going to keep our costs down so that we can touch more people. Um, and right. I'm making this up, but that's what I'm hearing. I'm, but this this goal or this objective called the unifying objective really does start aligning people that forms the culture of right. the organization because now people are saying, yeah, this is what we need to do. It starts impacting the culture. So these goals have meaning. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and on the contrary, Dan, the, um, so, you know, you just mentioned about uh, what are some of the critical elements to make a, a culture shift and building the right culture, you know, success effectively. What will what, be some of the barriers that you see? Um, I don't know whether COVID-19, like pandemic, you know, you can be considered one of them, obviously remote working, um, you know, less, I guess, you know, in some extent that people definitely feel less connected, right? Um, you know, as we come out of uh, um, the pandemic, there's huge debates about, uh, obviously, you know, workers don't want to go back to the office and then the management want them to come back to the office and, um, that that component is what I see potentially, you know, is a contention can, contentional area. Is there any other barrier? And do you see that as a barrier itself? Or can can the right culture be cultivated even with remotings? Um, and any other barriers that you see that prevent, you know, um, building <laughs> the right culture? Yeah, barriers are a, a good topic. We call those shadows. So these right. are things um, that stand in our way. And the, the, the barrier is what we see is the tactical thing that's staring us in the eyes. And, um, and that is that people aren't coming to work. That's the barrier. But right. underneath that, we have to overcome that. And um, so that's really just an excuse. If we stop there, then our company won't reach its potential, nor will our employees impact on our customers. So the barrier is what you described. But there's also something holding us back that's more of a shadow, and that's personal. So sometimes we don't have the, um, the drive or the motivation to overcome some of these things, and we keep waiting for the – we become over, um, overly optimistic that the fact that this is just going to go back to the way it was. Um, and, and that's really holding us or keeping us from uh, pursuing our human potential through our leadership. But if we look at an organization, that's clear. There's definitely a different, different – um, structure in which we need to work. And I believe that this is the most significant thing that has happened to business since business has happened. <laughs> that makes right. sense. So um, this is the most significant because a lot of these things that we have to overcome, we're not equipped to overcome them because we've never experienced them. And that is a psychological impact of people not working within a group or a team, feeling a lack of connection to their fellow employees 
yeah. and a lack of connection to the company and its direction. So, um, so what I believe is that we need to be very, very um, intentional about connecting people in the organization. Now we could say, well, that means everybody has to come to work. And I will argue and say, well, that's not going to happen. So we need to figure out a way to maximize our ability to connect and belong in an environment that goes against connecting and belonging. But right. the desire, the drive to connect and belong is a human need that has to be fulfilled. And we've typically fulfilled that through work. So how do we do this? Right. That actually takes us back to establishing internal peer groups that meet on a regular basis and talk about and solve problems that impact the business. Now, you mentioned earlier something, Eve, which I think is a great thing that people do is, is they actually have like fun committees. And um, but when when we talk about engagement, like employee engagement in an organization, um, people tend to go, oh, yeah, we do a lot of engagement activities. We go to we go to baseball games, we go bowling or we go this or we do that. And I say, well, when we say engagement, are we talking about engaging them in their work? Because most of the stuff we're doing is really team building outside of work. Right. And we sometimes confuse that for engagement and what we want and what employees want to feel fulfilled is to be engaged, like right. intensely engaged into their work and engaged with the people who work next to them. So there's an element that we have to go beyond team building. That's important. But that's going to be maybe 10% of the problem. But what we really need to do is solve the problem of engaging people in their work. And that's where we need to create intentional internal peer groups where they meet through Zoom and other technological applications to talk about meaningful things within their job and meaningful things in terms of their personal growth. Because business needs to fulfill this need of connecting and belonging. And we're not gonna do this by waiting for people to come back to work five days a week. So we, again, that's where we create, um, we recommend organizations create intentional peer groups or intentional networks right. um, within an organization that are driving the business forward as well as helping each other grow intellectually, personally, professionally. And, and that's a whole new model, by the way. This is, yeah. this happened, you know, clicks happen and networks happen in organizations. Now leaders have to actually plant these networks and then fill these networks with topics and conversations that connect employees to the company and to each other. So to me, we need to draw a line in the sand. The world is dramatically different. Right. We need, we need to bring back human um, networks into an organization and it's going to be the leaders because the employees will not do this. The leaders have to step up and, and facilitate and foster and bring these networks in the organization. So it may sound foreign, um, but the truth is, is this is what we have to do in order to succeed in this next world. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, not that I have seen that in any of the workplace I have um, been, been at, um, but I, I just reflect that, that I certainly have done that within the family. So I actually intentionally sit down with my kiddo and then talk about like, you know, checking in, how things are going. We do talk about values and then talk about certain behaviors, you know, we should kind of um, come, you know, how do we actually hold ourselves accountable, behave as a family unit. But um, yeah, and that absolutely actually works. And but um, I, I just haven't seen it at work. You're 100% right. The in, engagement, 
typically just organically happen and through those um, really, really the fun activity. And it actually creates subculture, not necessarily um, across, you know, there's not, not really consistency across the organization. It's really initiated by certain groups and teams, that's all. And um, whereas I have personally have never seen that, you know, the leaders will sit down intentionally, build this kind of bridge and dialogues and to foster, to keep reinforcing the, the, the culture within the organization. That's, that's fascinating. That's exactly what we have to do. And I think we have to come to the table with a different solution and a different, um, we have a different platform here. And the world has never seen anything like this where people weren't connecting with each other. So now we have to actually foster and build that connection. So yeah, on that subject, uh, that's a good one. Because um, I have the fortune to have, have a look of um, uh, your blendification system, the um, yeah. the whiteboard strategy whiteboards and personal whiteboards. And um, so if our listeners are interested, how do they actually, um, you know, kind of see your, your platform in action? Yeah, well, we have on our website, blendification.com, they can go to that. And um, that'll talk about the concept of blendification, which is essentially... Um, blending work and life so that we can pursue our human potential um, and the business and the people uh, win in that respect. But within that are products that do that are, like you said, the strategy whiteboard, which is really identifying the company's strategy that connects to the culture. And then we develop peer groups underneath that that implement the strategy. So now we're creating these connections um, intentionally. And then we have a personal whiteboard. So now we say, okay, all employees can plan their lives using what we call a personal whiteboard. And then underneath the personal whiteboard is what we call offshoots groups. And they then connect on personal growth and development, which is all part of a technology application. So if somebody goes to our website and then clicks on, we're actually giving free trials for our software because this is all a software enabled platform. This isn't about a, this isn't a consulting thing because the truth is, is we can't bring everybody together. So we have to do it through technology. So our technology is delivered to all of the employees in the organization so that they can connect the organization's culture, the business plan, the strategy, and then right. the execution model. So it's all done through technology. And, and we have a free trial. If people go to our website, man, it'd be cool to get them on that and see how we can do this. Because I believe that um, we, we've developed a, a platform that really drives the business forward, but it does it by engaging the employees through the work. And that's what we really want. So, um, yeah, just go, go to the website, check it out, and see what, see what comes up. That sounds fantastic. No, thanks so much for that. Um, and, and if our, any of our listeners um, would like, you know, they, if they have any questions, are you open to be contacted? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no, I, I love this because I think, you know, like I said, the cause of our, org our organization is, is really to get people to look at the natural um, blending of work and life so that we can pursue something more in life. Right. Yeah. So yeah, feel free. Um, you can reach out. Um, we've got all our contact forms on, on the website too. We'd love to chat with anybody about what uh, what's going on in your organization and, and how we might be able to help. No, that's awesome. That's that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, so I'm going to ask you a last questions and uh, um, which I asked the same questions to my um, the guests at my last episode. Um, Natalie as well as John's. And um, so I asked them about that. If you can predict future what would you guess the um the next big thing will be for leaders to help achieve alignment and in this case obviously culture alignments in the organizations 
across the, the revenue generation value chain? Well, I, I hate to be self-serving in this, but um, I truly believe that uh, the, the opportunity in business in the future is to look at really connecting the employees to the company and what the company stands for. And um, what we've seen is this, um, this idea of work-life balance has created a, um, an adversarial relationship between work and life. And most, uh, a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, friends, they really dislike their job, you know? And, and um, I think we need to basically legitimately throw out all references to work-life balance. So when anybody hears work-life balance, they should say that is, that is basically creating an adversarial relationship between work and life. And unfortunately, most people, and I say most, meaning more than 50% of the people really don't like their jobs because they don't see that they're making a difference. In the future, we need to flip that and say, let's throw out work-life balance, replace the word balance with blend. And, And now we go, okay, so how do we use work to impact my life? How does, how do I get better through work? Because everything you said a minute ago about how what you're doing with your with your child, you know, you're meeting with them, you're talking about various different values and things. Um, for me, that that all came from work. I didn't I, when I started doing those types of things with my kids, I didn't make that stuff up. It was because of the exposure I got at work. So work really starts impacting our personal lives dramatically. Then we look at it and say, well, how much, where do we spend all of our time? We spend most of our waking time at work. Yeah. So if we really look at work as this miserable place that we don't like, and we're not really contributing, that means most of our waking time is not in a good place. Right. And that is not consistent with creating positive outcomes in life or joy or fulfill, fulfillment. So I think the future is, is we, we throw out work-life balance. We acknowledge that that served us well for the past 20 years to create awareness around overworking, but it's not serving us well in a world where work and life should be blended. It's, it's inhibited our ability to lead our people because we, we want to put a barrier up between work and life. And um, so I say, you know, you're throw out work-life balance, replace it with work-life blend and move forward in a world where we're pursuing our potential through our work, our calling, our vocation, things like that. I love that. Love that word blend. Yeah. Without knowing it, actually, that's what I have to actively be doing. I'm <laughs> wearing multiple hats and, you know, being a mom and I naturally have to blend <laughs> and to yeah. make it work. Yeah. And trying to find synergy with everything and then bring them together. <laughs> That's, and, and that's more natural, isn't it? Than trying to say, oh, I can't, I can't spend another minute at work today because my balance isn't right. You yeah. know, balance is this, this time allocation. But when we're, when we're motivated and fulfilled, you know, we're looking at work as an opportunity to grow as a human being, knowing that the more I grow at work, the better I can parent, the better I can show up in a community, you know, because I'm like, I'm, I'm just a sponge at work. That's what we need to be doing. And that's for everyone in the company, again, not just the executives and the senior leadership. This is the person that you just hired yesterday at minimum wage. They should be looking at work as an opportunity to grow, develop, learn, and impact their community. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, that sounds amazing. You know, like um, another client of mine, uh, when I heard her uh, goal, it's not about, I want to be a billionaire. Um, her goal or intention is, uh, I want to make a hundred millionaires. Yeah. 
which made a huge difference to me. And uh, um, so that actually become a hook for me. I just say, wow, that's amazing. You know, I want to be part of your your group, basically. You know, it's such mm-hmm. it's bigger than us, basically. So no, that that is fantastic. Yeah. So blendifications and um, on that note, and uh, um, thank you so much, Dan, uh, for being with us on the show today. Um, I want to also thank um, to our listeners and for tuning in. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Thanks, Eve. This is this has been great. Thanks for talking about such a meaningful topic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much again, Dan. I'm your host, Eve Chen, and this is another episode of Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. And I look forward to having you tuning in soon again. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our other episodes for even more insights into the world of revenue marketing.